0: Hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of Employment Matters brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm your host, Pete Waltz. Well, it's Tuesday. For those that listen to us on a regular basis, you know, Tuesday is a special day. It's called Travel Tuesday. It's when on the Employment Matters podcast, we get the chance to dial in our local lawyers around the world to share with us some of the important things we need to know about doing business in their jurisdiction today we're going to learn more about doing business in the sultanate of oman and i'm pleased to welcome to the show govinder panu a partner at adalshark goddard in oman govinder it's great to have you on the show today i'm excited about learning about this mysterious jurisdiction that i have never been to i know where it is on the map but i'm looking forward to learning from you how are you today
1: Hi, Peter. Thank you very much for having me on the program today. I'm actually very happy to be able to speak about the Sultanate of Oman. So let's
0: start our conversation, if we can, Gravinder, on understanding an overview of what Oman is like. You know, the economy, population, government structure, even languages. You know, we've got so many different parts of the world with so many different languages. I'm anxious to hear what all those things roll up to in Oman. Can you share that with us?
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, So first of all, Oman is located on the Arabian Peninsula's southeast coast between the Persian Gulf and the Arabian Sea. It neighbours the United Arab Emirates, Saudi Arabia and Yemen. And then on one side of the coast is obviously the sea. So the population is post-COVID, approximately 4.5 million, of which around 56% are made up of Omani nationals, and the remainder are made up of foreign nationals. So as an Arab country, obviously Arabic is the official language, but English is very widely used in business and commerce, as well as, to a certain extent, Hindi and Udu, and even Swahili, which reflects the fact that quite a number of Omani nationals lived in the African continent, because Oman previously had a territory in Zanzibar many, many years ago. So that's a reflection of the cultural heritage side of the languages. The ruler of Oman is His Majesty Sultan Haytham bin Tariq. He is the monarch and head of state, as well as the head of the government of Oman. He's also the supreme commander of the armed forces and prime minister, and he appoints a cabinet to assist him. He succeeded Sultan Qaboos following Sultan Qaboos' death in January 2020, and Sultan Qaboos ruled over Oman for almost 50 years, during which time the country became prosperous. So, Peter, I would say that Oman is a very peaceful country. It is economically open, and it is primarily an oil and gas-based economy, although we are seeing diversification in relation to its economy. Oman also has an independent judiciary. So whilst Sharia law is the foundation for the majority of the laws in Oman, it is a civil law jurisdiction, except in family matters where Sharia law will apply to Muslims.
0: So Gurvinder, it sounds like certainly oil is the center of what is going on in that economy. And there's probably other ancillary industries that support that industry. But tell us just a little bit more about the impact of the oil industry, and other things that might complement it in that area?
1: Absolutely. There has been recognition that the economy has to diversify away from oil and gas, and therefore, Oman is undergoing economic diversification over the last few years. And we've seen this in particular in the shipping and logistics sector, with the development of the ports, such as in the areas of Sohar and Dukham. Sohar is about two hours from Muscat and two hours from Dubai, whereas Dukhan is centred between Muscat and Salalah to the south. There's been a lot of investment in that area, but in addition to that, also industrial manufacturing and tourism has been quite high on the platform, and we've seen the redevelopment of Oman's airports, particularly in Muscat and Salalah, and there are currently a number of hotel projects underway. Oman is a stunning place to visit as it has a long coastline with beautiful beaches, deserts and mountain ranges, which is obviously great for hiking. So just as an example of some of the international events, Oman hosts the Tour of Oman on an annual basis. This is a professional bicycle racing stage race, similar to Tour de France. Focus is also turning to developing a renewable and green energy sector. And we are seeing quite a lot of interest in this area from potential international investors.
0: So let's talk about those international investors and some of the issues they may be facing when they employ people locally in Oman. You know, in a lot of our jurisdictions, we talk about works councils or unions. There's always issues around affirmative action and the impact of the federal government into creating those laws versus states and so forth. And again, in your structure, with the Sultanate at the top of Oman's government. Tell us a little bit about what it would be like to employ locally. Let's say I'm a company from the United States, and I'm in the business of supplying gas components to that industry, and I want to open up an office in Oman. What are some of the things that I'll be facing when I go there?
1: So from an employment context, Peter, Omanization is a key consideration. And and what do I mean by Omanization? Omanization is the Government's policy to prioritise employment for Omani nationals in the private sector. And this takes a form in two ways. Firstly, each company must employ a certain percentage of Omani nationals. And that percentage depends on which sector they fall under. So it's the Ministry of Labour that will set the percentages for each sector. And each company falling within that sector must employ a certain number of Omanis to meet that target. Secondly, there are also certain roles that are specifically designated to Omani nationals, which foreign nationals cannot hold. So anyone looking to open up an office here, they will need to have regard to omanisation. Now, in what we've seen, particularly after the pandemic, is that Obviously, that created unemployment in the country. And so we have seen the Ministry of Labour increasing the number of jobs that are designated for Omanis only. Now, do bear in mind that the Omanisation policy is not unusual for the Gulf. It is similar to nationalisation policies that are implemented by the neighbouring Gulf countries as well. As the Gulf countries are seeking to reduce their reliance on foreign labour, and increase employment opportunities for locals. I'm just turning to unions, actually. This is an interesting point because unlike the neighbouring countries, the unions are recognised in Oman. They were introduced in 2006. And so we do have a number of unions registered here, with the General Federation of Unions sitting at the top of that structure now, the union landscape is not as well developed or as sophisticated as in other countries that have had unions for you know, 40, 50 years. But this is because it's still very, you know, quite new. It's been just over 10 years that we've had unions in place here. And what that means is that there are very few collective agreements between employers and unions. So we don't really see much in the way of restrictions in relation to employment you know, who to employ, which jobs are to be protected, etc. So there's nothing like a closed shop in Oman and and membership of a union is entirely voluntary.
0: So Gravinder, it sounds like the climate, not only the climate in the region and how beautiful it is, but the business climate is very open to bringing in opportunities from around the globe. But Typically, a jurisdiction focuses more on either pro-business or more pro-employee. Now, I know you've mentioned this homonization as a significant pro-employee issue, but where does the business side of that lean and which would you say would be more of the momentum? Is it more pro-business or more pro-employee?
1: So that's a question that needs to be answered in a couple of parts, because first of all, I think it's important to... Talk about the business environment now in Oman. And that is that since middle of 2019, Oman has in- introduced extensive changes to legislation making it easier to do business in Oman and liberalising the foreign investment regime. So, for example, we have seen a new commercial companies law that was introduced in 2019. We saw the foreign capital investment law also introduced in 2019. Whereby you can now have 100% foreign owned companies in a large number of activities. There are still some reserved restrictions where you'd need an Omani partner, but for the most part, we have seen an incredible relaxation in the businesses that foreign investors can now invest in. And this again is, you know, as part of Oman's policy to attract business, foreign investors into the country. We've also seen the privatisation law introduced in 2019, as well as public-private partnership law, where there is encouragement by the government for private sector investors to enter into various infrastructure and public service projects with the government. So in terms of the business regime, we have seen it really open up. And also, in relation to business investors investing, they can now apply for five to 10-year investor visas, as opposed to what we had previously, the two-year investor visas. Now, you asked me the question, is it more of a pro-business or pro-employee landscape? So, on the employee side, I would say that the labour law is quite narrow in terms of what employment disputes you can bring to the courts. Now, What we generally see are claims relating to unfair dismissal claims. The labor law does not contain any provisions relating to anti discriminatory provisions except in the trade union context. So much of the litigation we see before the courts is therefore limited to unfair dismissal claims. However, it is not uncommon for the courts to take a protectionist approach towards employee claimants. Now, this is usually because If an employer hasn't followed certain steps under the law or they haven't had robust reasons for taking termination action against the employee, the courts will recognise that and will generally find in favour of the employee in those circumstances. I should say at this point that the labour law, which was issued in 2003, is up for review and we don't quite know when the amendments are coming through. But we anticipate that we will probably see more employer-friendly provisions in the new labor law in relation to termination, for example, for performance issues and broader misconduct issues.
0: Well, that's very interesting. So it's it's a balancing act, as it seems to be across the world. You know, you've got to be able to meet in the middle sometimes to determine how you attract business, but also how you maintain the rights of the employees. Let's talk about those employees of companies that want to work in Oman, but perhaps live somewhere else. And immigration and global mobility is is a huge topic at the ELA. I now understand that investors can have long-term visas, but let's talk about some of the rank and file or some of the employees that may be moving around. Is it easy to get in and out of Oman? Can you stay there? Are there any special visas or programs for expats that may be there? Fill us in on that if you would.
1: Sure. Well, the employment of foreign nationals is regulated in Oman. And what that means is that if a foreigner wants to lawfully work in Oman, they are required to have an employment visa. Now, that employment visa has to be sponsored by a company that's already registered in Oman. So a foreign company who wishes to do business in Oman, they will either have to tie up as a JV partner with an existing Omani entity to bring their employees across, or they'll have to establish a commercial entity themselves. It is not possible at the moment for a foreigner to work in Oman unless they've got a visa that's sponsored by an Oman company. And as I mentioned before, the granting of an employment visa is subject to the Omanization requirements that I touched upon earlier? It is an interesting question, and it comes up time and time again, particularly from the neighbouring countries. We often get asked by clients in the UAE, can we send our employees who have UAE employment visas to come and work in Oman? And unfortunately, the answer is no, you'd have to get an Oman employment visa for them. In terms of the remote working visa scenario, I know that the UAE has introduced a remote working visa whereby a foreigner can live in the UAE but work for a company based overseas. In Oman, we don't have that type of visa available yet. So quite frankly, it's either you're an employee or you're a dependent of an employee working in Oman, or you're an investor or you have purchased a property in Oman which gives you that residence visa.
0: Maybe you could also take a vacation in Oman and make it a long vacation if you wanted to work there. Maybe bring your laptop, but you can't live there permanently.
1: Just on that point, I I was obviously answering this question from the employment perspective. Of course, you know, tourist visas are available. We have multi-entry business visas that allow businessmen to come in for business meetings, but it does not permit them to work in Oman.
0: Well, a very interesting discussion and a fascinating country for four and a half million people, It sounds like it's got beaches, it's got mountains, it's got deserts, it's sponsoring bike races, and it's also a very, very prolific economy around the gas industry. And we're lucky to have you there for us, Gravinder, to keep us up to date on what's happening in Oman. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. You're
1: very welcome.
0: If you'd like to connect with Gravinder, you can find her bio by clicking on her name in the description of this podcast. Please visit ela.law to receive invitations to our upcoming webinars, download white papers, get access to on-demand content from the online library, or use the ELA's exclusive Global Employer Handbook. You've been listening to Employment Matters, a podcast brought to you by the Employment Law Alliance, the world's largest network of labor and employment lawyers from the best law firms around the globe. I'm Pete Waltz. Thanks so much for listening.